fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Our campaign is The Curse of Nineveh. It was written by Mike Mason, Mark Latham, Scott Dorward, and Paul Fricker, and it's available on the Chaosium website. I'm the GM, and this is episode 26. Our recap will be given by John and Jason as their characters, bringing us into the story. So without any further delay, let's begin our journey into the dark. Guys? Cyrus, when's the last time we had a normal day? Normal? I don't even know what that means anymore. Yeah. Made some decent progress at the museum today, though, huh? Yeah, we did. Really thought we were onto something with that Lycaster. Yeah, but she's too smart to leave anything in her house. This necklace. That's not, uh, that's costume jewelry. That's nothing we were really looking for. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Me either. But I wanted to get something. Well, we, got the, we got the uh, books and uh, papers from the book. That's right. We do still have those books. Looks like they're starting to filter out of the house. There's a lot of people coming out. Yeah, there is. You know, these guys here, those aren't normal house guests, man. What do you mean? Those are some of the hardest criminals in London. Two of them. The ones really? That the two at the corner. Those are Sabini's guys. I've heard that name. The other one that came out before him, I can't remember, but I think he's running around with Hill. But these guys, you know, we did a check. I did a check on Delgado after we did all that with the uh, at the funeral. I had Belvedere run a little check on him. He's crystal clear. He's clean. Nothing on his record. Yeah, but that's because he's got the money to be crystal clear. Yeah. There should never be this many of us. I say us. There should never be that many of them in one place at the same time, ever. Well, I wonder if Delgado has hired them out to retrieve the horn from us. I don't know. He's definitely hiring them for something big. These aren't the kind of guys that just run and knock off a, you know, knock off a, a, a shop or a, a fruit cart or some silly shit like that. These are hardened. These, these are hammers. These are big hammers here. The plot thickens. I think I see them coming out now. Is that Reginald? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's Jane. Where's Fuller? I don't see him. I don't know. I hope he didn't show his ass in there. Probably. Oh, there, there he is. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Reginald Fuller. 
What's up? Kevin. Don't know what I can tell you if nothing else to you. missed out on some extremely expensive catering. Some quality spirits. Yeah. Uh, you enjoyed yourselves instead? Yeah, just uh, a nice night walk. And I, you, you guys get in, right? You're in the vehicle? Except I helped Jane in. Jane, oh, no. get in the car. If you want. Sit in the back. All right, if you have no issue. Yeah, I don't have an issue. Sit in the back. Right. Yeah, I'm sitting up front. I pass uh, over, the, over my shoulder to Reginald some papers we found today. See if you can make heads or tails of what these are. Huh. Where'd you come across these? Um, at your girlfriend's apartment. <clears throat> not in a bad way, Reginald. Uh, she was not there. If you're referring to Miss Lycaster, I'd appreciate you being a bit less flip. Hey, you know, I'm just just joshing you. So you um, dug around through her uh, under things, did you? No, we, we were going to bring you, uh, but, you know, decided against that. Mm. What kind of men do you think we are, Reginald? Well, I understand that's where some ladies hide things of import, you know. Trusting on the gentlemanly nature of others. I had a oh. pen, and I moved them to the side. I didn't jostle them around with my hands or get fidgety with them. I just Jane, I apologize. <clears throat> no, no, no. It's all right. It's all right. We were actually respectful once we were inside, just in case she comes out crispy clean and you guys do have a future together. We didn't want to impede too much. We still want to be on the wedding party. We are discussing Armageddon, after all, not uh, a weekend romance. So, um, is there further cause for suspicion? Well, I haven't really got to look through those papers. It was kind of too dark sitting out here just waiting, and we'd rather keep our eyes on the comings and goings of the guests rather than reading some papers. Plus, you're much better at that than I am. Let's have a look-see. Where's my glass? Hold on. Um, anything else you found uh, of interest while you were... Here or there? She's too smart to keep anything in her house besides this. So. What's your place like? It's nice. It's well kept. You know, she's got a lot of cat items. I don't know what that's about, but for the most part, she's just a normal apartment. And of course, when you say cat items, you don't mean them. Cat's eyes. Well, I, you know, it's funny you should mention that. Because I, I did find this, but I don't believe it's what we're asking, we're wanting. And I'm just going to hand that back to you if you want to take it. There you go. You got it? Yes, thanks. No, that's not a cat's eye opal. It's not a handsome object, though. That's what we figured, but we'd rather be safe. Don't listen to her flat. Well, we'll return it. We just wanted to make sure it wasn't the item in disguise. 
Um, can I do an appraise on that? Sure. Have a look, Jane. Tom, I texted you. Nope. Having a clue. Hmm. Um, I've seen something like this before, but I can't place where I've seen it. Hmm. Is it costume jewelry, Jane? It's kind of hard to tell. It's, it might be, but if it is, it's a high quality costume jewelry, I think. Hmm. Not, not typical junk, let's put it that way. Let me take a look at it. I'll do an appraise on it. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got like a 20. Yeah, you're pretty sure it's Bakelite. It's uh, early plastic. It's it's mm. costume jewelry. It's pretty, but it's, it's I mean, not. Yes, I can see now, but you mentioned Bakelite there. Fuller. Very well done, though. Getting better and better all the time. If we can just save it for a couple of decades, it'll be worth something. No, possibly. Who would ever want that junk? No. Even in a hundred years, it'll be worthless. So we should probably put it back. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Or, I have known folks to actually remove items from people, wrap them up, and give it back to them as a gift. That's not a suggestion for that. me, I trust. Well, I wish that the absence of proof were the proof of innocence. I don't think there's anything in these notes of import either, I'm sad to say. So we have a bit of handsome, tasteful costume jewelry and um, some reasonable notes on academic archaeology, but nothing yeah. that suggests anything that connects her to these. Tom, was, on. Sorry. was there anything of importance in those papers? Not really. These are things that you picked up at... Uh, at Lycaster's house? Yeah. Yeah, nothing. Okay. Does well, she have an actual office there at the British Museum, or is she just uh, working there? She does have an office there. It's That's not much. She shares it. Mm. Well, Reginald, so far so good. She's coming out clean, and I guess that's what we hope for. Well, uh, yes, we hope to prevent an Armageddon. So if she had, if we'd have found some clear evidence, that would have been more helpful. I, however, uh, can report to you that um, our friend, Mr. Delgado, as well as being arrogant and impressively well off, um, has sworn me to secrecy, but I consider us all brethren and Jane, whatever the equivalent is, sororitans. Um, he has a clear intention to collect Ninevite objects, the ones in question, uh, as part of a cabal that intends to become immortal. He does not seem mad and seems quite serious about it. If we help him, or at least if I do, to acquire these artifacts, then I get to be part of the 
demigod club with him. He's insufferable enough as a mortal. I can't imagine him immortal. It's some interesting things to say about our friends with the children of tranquility there. Yeah, strong. I don't know if I entirely believe what he has to say, but I do know for a fact that he is potentially dangerous. Yes. Uh, and uh, Vadim was very much off base on who he was and what he's up to. I'll say that much. In the interest of time, do you guys tell us everything that was said inside? Yes. With the um, caveat that uh, under no circumstances do I want to see him get a hold of any of Vadim's work and notes, for if he did, then we would have some serious trouble because they were working along similar lines. Although Vadim was working along more scientific lines than uh, esoteric. The increasing question for me is what we're supposed to do with these damned artifacts, because I must admit that Delgado made a fairly persuasive case that the brethren might not necessarily be as trustworthy as we have hoped. Would you agree, Jane? Possibly, but then again, I've got the feeling that, well, what's the best way to put it, that we're dealing with multiple groups of people who are not on the level, as they say. You know, one way we could uh, kind of alleviate any worry is since uh, these two are working on the same kind of thing, what if we were to take Vadim's notes and um, transcribe them in our own words? That you just muted yourself. Thus, if, we get, if he gets a hold of them, then he's going to be going down the wrong path. That's always a the problem is that's a Pandora's box there, and I can assure you upon that. However, I don't entirely disagree with your intention there, Fuller, Mr. Albright. I do believe that you might be onto something. We could give him something, shall we say, that has enough believability to uh, have him go down the wrong path. But actually, Vadim's, I do not wish him to touch any of Vadim's. I mean, it would be bad. When when you're dealing with magic, a misplaced comma could spell certain doom. Yeah, I still say the less we give them, the better it is. And also, if Delgado is aware of the children, and Delgado wants the item, and the children want the item, and he knows that it might not be in our direct possession, but it is accessible by one of us, meaning the horn, and I would discredit the other group looking for the same item, too. Like, I would say the children are evil and they're going to steal stuff and yada, 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 just to make the three of you not want to deal with them and rather deal with this benevolent Delgado who's offering you uh, immortality. So we have to go, go, go. Here goes an interesting question. We already know that the children of Tranquility don't have any qualms about taking out people in their way. Why are they not taking out Delgado? If he is vying for the same control they are, why not just take and get rid of him? The My children, suspicion is that 
my suspicion is that he's that they don't know about him. I mean, look at how Vadim uh, thought he was nothing more than a uh, foppish idiot. After spending time with Delgado and listening to what he has to say, I he had he had Vadim pretty well uh, fooled. It'd be easy to fool others out there, I'm sure, especially if you keep a low profile that's out in the open. And the odd word here or there. Possibly. He didn't himself attend the auction after all, even though he was very much interested in obtaining the horn. I got it. I'm just thinking back to when you were telling me everything that he said inside. Now he's a, he's a, um, he loves the Sumerian magic or he fancies himself a Sumerian magician. Is that correct? What if, what if he's right? What if, what if he's right and he's looking for the rest of his toolbox? The guys I saw come out of that party, those are not guys that you have at a party that you don't want results from. Did he say anything about any kind of spell that could possibly hurt someone? I don't recall anything like that. Jane, do you? No, not off the top of my head. But I wouldn't put it past him. I did have a few brandies as well. It's really nice little mince pies, just like this big. Something mm. that rang, so, being that we're in the car, something that rang in my head. I'm going to tell you, I'm not comfortable seeing those guys there. I'm not. I know who they are. I know what they do. He's crystal clean. And he's got some of the nastiest ones in London sitting right there with him. Almost a, a Knights of the Round Table with him at the head directing the party. We're in a lot of danger. Then perhaps, then perhaps we should uh, get the children in tranquility involved. Perhaps the two parties should meet. Perhaps they should. Mm. There was a there was a word he used during the conversation that you that you passed on to me. Vibrations about vibration. There was a lot of talk about vibrations. Now I remember um, Vadim. Although he said a lot of weird things, he did say some. He did talk a lot about the magic. And that he was always studying and all that other stuff. And um, do you remember when the guy exploded in my backseat? Which I know, time? Jane, I know, Jane, you don't. You weren't there. I heard about it. <laughs> Which time? Uh, the first. The first time. He started to talk. Obviously, somebody did not want him to talk, so they arranged something to happen. Delgado used the word membranes, that vibrations and tone could break certain membranes. 
could he have been mm-hmm. talking about physiolog- like the body, like biological membranes that would cause bleeding or? I thought he was speaking more dimensionally, but it seems as though it might be the same principle on a different scale. I certainly wouldn't want to be under a gash such as that so that my silence was uh, so compulsory that if I attempted to break it, I ruptured from within. Again, when sorry, you're dealing, When you're dealing with people so deadly as the ones that were walking out of his house, these guys, again, I can't stress the danger of the guys that are walking around. I know them. I know what they've done. The kid in the garage with me and Jason, or me and Cyrus, that was nothing compared to what those guys do. And they could easily take out Delgado, especially in that number of them. So he has to have some control over them somehow, and those are all different factions from all around the city. Two of them that walked out were Sabini's guys. Another one that walked out, I've seen him with Hill. Those two don't like each other. They don't coexist. And yet both of them are sitting at his house. Something's not adding up. Well, this Mr. Degato sounds like uh, he's the, uh, would be the type of person to hire that uh, killer doctor that was going to skin uh, Mr. Pungeon there. And he'd have plenty of money, plenty of money to pay whatever he asked. And if the end goal is immortality, I, you would stop at nothing to get that. And money really wouldn't mean anything because you have multiple lifetimes to earn it back. And do you remember, do you remember the sec, trying to remember if it was the second or the first, obviously the one that exploded in the back. He started to describe the man that he worked for. It was a, if I remember right, it was a large white guy. But I thought there was more to it. There was more, and I can't, with so much going on and all that we've been through, I, um, I, I can't remember any other detail that they may have given us. But, uh, yeah. I think we were told it was an Englishman as well, because initially we thought this might be a European conspiracy. That sound correct? Still could be. Yeah. Two things bother me about this. First, first of all, it's um, how brazen Mr. Delgado is, because if he's truly dealing in these sort of matters and such, why be so open about it? If you're really trying to gain these lofty goals, wouldn't you try and keep it to yourself, especially with other people around so that uh, you don't have any competition? If he's on the verge of breaking through to immortality, he doesn't care. Which Mm -hmm. Something has shown him that this is not just a fantasy, that this is not just... True. This isn't just something that's made up. This isn't just a weird curse or a story among friends. This is real. Something has proven to him that it's real. He can also just be a megalomaniac. 
that is also possible. Yeah, but after the shit we've seen, uh, we can't discredit anything without a true investigation. Yes. The well, second thing that bothers me here is uh, I'm kind of wondering if Mr. Delgado might not be um, another party is, uh, in this all, and that there's still that um, warlock, as uh, Vadim would say, and his group. And that, so, and that uh, the goal is to take out the rivals. And uh, what better way to take out the rivals than uh, pitting the children and uh, Mr. Delgado to get against each other? Yes, we introduce the children of tranquility to Delgado. One of two things happen: the children of tranquility take him out. One mm -hmm. less, one less thing to worry about. If they don't, then they've weakened him. Or they mutually take each other out. Uh, guys, uh, just continue the conversation. Don't turn around. Felix, uh, we've been told for the last 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Don't just keep talking, guys. Don't stop with the hand movements, because... You don't get well, me. Totally casual. Uh, what kind of vehicle is it? And is there more than one? I only see a set of headlights behind us, and it hasn't veered off. Hey, there's five of us. Let's stop and ask them what they want. And not if it's They're those armed. guys that uh, Felix was just discussing. We stop. We're dead, Fuller. If it's them. <laughs> Maybe I'm not. <laughs> I'm inclined to agree with Mr. Matthews there. I haven't seen Felix bat an eye at anything until tonight. And if it has him even slightly worried, then I'm disturbed. Well, Cyrus, you're being disturbed is not a matter of question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the question is what evasive approach we can take. Certainly, we can go to a well-lit public square. Um, you know, no. this is not some backwater. We're in modern London. There's only There's one gas place to go. There's only one place we can go where we have a chance if those are those guys. Your house? We're going to my house. If you've got anything, go ahead and chamber your rounds. Keep them low. Don't let anybody see anything. Keep it under the windows. I've had it. I've had one under the hammer all night long. I, can, I, I, I would suggest that this is probably not uh, a group to by Mr. Delgado himself because his frankness with us this evening <clears throat> was because he knows that we have access to the horn. Um, he doesn't think it's in your vehicle or my coat pocket. So killing us on a side street would not improve his likelihood of attaining the object of his desire, which is immortality. But capturing us and taking a hammer to our toes one by one could yield some information. Not do you only that, want... you've got a long history. This may have nothing to do with any of the Nineveh stuff. Do you want to slow down and uh, no. get side by side and take a couple shots at them? No. no. It may just be somebody trying to get to the hospital. We don't know yet. Just keep Take a couple of turns and find out. Yeah, we're going to head straight to the house. I'm oh. taking the car straight to the house. If anybody does not want to go there, speak up now. I'll slow down enough for you to get out. Uh, that sounds mad. Anyone? 
pull, when you get to the house, pull up as close as you can. Let Reginald and Jane run and run into the house. We're going to take it all the way up into the garage. All right. Sounds wise. Do they follow hey. us all the way to the garage? They are following you. Okay, so we're pretty sure that it's not someone going to the hospital. Yeah, we've taken quite a few turns before I even mentioned that they were following us. So. Is it a two-seater or four-seater? Can we tell how many heads are inside? You just see light, the headlights. It's, it's the middle of the night. Well, we do have an advantage. I mean, they very well can't kill us all. So they're not going to be as prone to firing at us as we are firing at them. You're not going to be able to see past their headlights, Fuller. It's pitch black. They're going to be blinded. They've got the advantage. Three feet above the headlight. Only thing we can do. Let's get it in the garage. We're almost there. Let's get it in the garage. Everybody immediately, if you either get down or get out and get inside. You might want to make your choice of what, of what you want to do before we get there, because as soon as we hit the brakes, shit's going to happen. And how are relations with your staff? My staff is fine. I'm glad to hear things have worked out in that regard. Um, it's a one or two car garage? That'd be a one. Does the door stand open? It will. Um, and there's a door. Where's the door once you pull in? Left side. It'll be on our left. Vehicle left yeah. side. Driver's side. Vehicle it's, it's left wall. is passenger as, side. As we, as we pull in, as viewed from the rear, it's going to be to the driver's side or the other side, the passenger side, correct? That's right. Forget Remember where side. you are, my good man. Um, chip, chip, all that rot. If, if you pull side. into the garage, first of all, if they stop immediately, it'd be extremely obvious. And if you pull in and turn your lights off, we'll be in a dark space and they'll be outside in the lights of your yard on your, right. on your drive. So that should reverse the advantage. I think they'll probably just drive past unless they're quite mad or very desperate. Let's plan for them to follow us all the way up and engage. If they don't, then that's fine. But if they do, we need to be ready. Right. So you drive up, you're within a block of the house and uh, you, uh, you pull into your driveway. Uh, the, uh, the door is open since you aren't there. And as you're pulling into the driveway, the car, you, you still don't get a good look at the car, but it, it obviously slows down a little and then it goes past. Goes past? Yeah. Walk to the end of the driveway and see if it stops farther up the road. I turned a corner. Know where we are. Yes, if they didn't know where you live, Felix, they now have a strong suggestion. That's not something that's too hard to figure out regardless, so. Yeah, they already know where he lives. Come on, get real. He's had the bad guy in his house. I know who they are. 
if it's any of the ones that came out, I know who they are. They know where I live. Now we got to decide what we're going to do. Well, the car's in the garage. I went ahead and pulled the car on in the garage. Fuller was outside. You're at the you're at the base of the driveway, or yeah, at the base of the driveway. Okay, it's not far. The driveway's not far from the garage. So they just by any chance don't turn around and come back, do they? That's what I'm worried about. So, if you don't have something, you might want to get something. Is anybody not armed and want to fight? If we need to, I got a Luger. I'm good. Um, I'll take a pistol if you have one. Well, I have the. I, I have the. Ask Cyrus. I know you're packing. Yeah, I have the two Mausers, so I'll just hand you one of them for now. Let's give them a few minutes and see if they come back around. Um, well, five minutes or so go by, and you see a car down the street turn the corner and start heading towards you. I want to go ahead. I want to, I just want to back off the driveway just a little bit so they can't see me until they get closer to the house. So I'm not like standing out on the street. All right. Uh, the car is. Moving. I'm already inside the house. Uh, the car is moving at a normal pace, you would say, um, and it goes by the house without stopping or hesitating. You don't know if that's the same car or if it's just another car. A lot of cars look pretty much okay. in the dark. All right, it, it 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 we don't know if it's the same car. Can we tell how many people are in it? No, it's dark. Okay. Yeah. You can't really even tell what color it is, except it's probably black, because all the cars are black. Well, I'm assuming that Felix has got hedges or bushes up against the side of his house. There's yeah. a hedge line. Hedge line across I, the front of a few topiaries. Yeah, I think I'm going to sit out there for a while tonight and keep an eye out. I don't trust that they're not going to come back. Felix, for future reference, since you are an avid hunter and you're known about town to be an avid hunter, always driving in and out of the city, it would be pertinent to keep a couple shotguns at the floor of your car for the next couple weeks. Yeah. I think we're going to need more than that. And we will. We'll have more than that. Bad, bad, huh? I'm heading inside. You guys uh, coming with? Or yeah. you're going to hang out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to hang out for a while. I need another bracing brandy. All those brandies are wearing off. Right. <laughs> uh, and we have, you know, this decision of great import and no new information. We have two or three, we have three uh, claims on the horn and any other artifacts that we've uncovered. The museum claims its rightful ownership and wants to include it in its reliquary of the reconstruction of the tomb. Delgado, uh, whom I do not intend to insist on gaining immortality, uh, and, the, and the brethren whom he claims 
extend their own lives unnaturally and are ruthless and more barbaric than even we have seen. And we know we can't destroy the thing and we know we can't keep the thing. And that shadow beast that killed our host in his poem came perhaps for the horn itself. So we, you know, it's, it's a, it's a four-way hot potato of hell with at least one Armageddon available. Well, at least we know where to get in touch with the children now. You have a phone in, in your uh, place, Cyrus? Yes. Um, why don't you ring your servants and see how the brethren are settling in? Or did everyone flee them? I don't have servants, but um, I'll ring the phone. I don't know if they would pick it up. That Those terms were never discussed, but it's worth a shot. I'd be so curious. I'd go over. You ring the phone, nobody answers. Yeah, they might not even be there yet. That was just this morning, right? That we discussed it. That I gave him the keys was earlier today. Or yesterday? Yeah, so they said they were going to be in in the morning, but it doesn't mean... I don't think they'll pick up my phone. They might get what they drink. A strange piece of witchcraft. Yeah. Or they'll say, hello, House of Cyrus Finley. <laughs> is Cyrus speaking. That's what you get when you make fun of Cyrus with his voice. <laughs> the ghosts get you. Okay. <clears throat> so, I'll call my staff together in the office immediately. All right. All three, Belvedere, Benson, and Hoke. And you're basically going to tell them the situation. Be prepared <clears throat> if there's a. Yep. I want to bring them fully up to speed. Go ahead and get every one of the. Uh, every one of the gifts from earlier loaded, ready, and set about the house. Uh, all Benson, pistols ready. Benson follows you. He says, Sir, considering my previous uh, discretionary faux pas. Uh, and the fact that you and the others have been absent most of the day uh, and, and most of the previous few days, um, we have changed our schedule slightly so that we are sleeping during the late morning and, uh, and staying up at night in order to monitor the house. Um, so we are quite rested and ready to serve you. Excellent. Thank you, Benson. Of course. And I'll get everything ready in case. Thank you. Um, all right. So I need to know that the situation is it's late at night. It's close to midnight at this point. Um, Fuller, how, how long are you going to sit outside in the yard? Uh, probably till one Okay. Um, you see a few cars go by, and every time one does, it it makes you nervous. Yeah. None, none of them stop. Um, 
the other four, what are you doing and are you getting rest and going to sleep? Before, yeah. we, all go, before we all go to sleep, you, we, we looked at all those books. We got everything out of them we could, which was nothing, correct? Correct. Well, I'm pretty wrecked. I'm going to go ahead and get some, get some sleep. You guys, the staff will help you with anything you need. If you need a change of clothes, let them know. Uh, showers, baths, whatever. Plenty of room for everybody to stay here if you'd like. If not, talk to Hoke. He can, he'll take you wherever you want to go. Until morning, I bid you all good night. Good, good night, and thanks for your hospitality. After enjoying one of your fine brandies and excellent cigars, I'm going to uh, arrange for a cab. Um, and I suggest that we travel at least in pairs. Uh, Jane, are you comfortable here, or do you want to? I would like to swing by my uh, my place to pick up some things and then come back. Oh, interesting. Um, Get out of these uh, these fancy clothes and into something more practical. Yes, this this is a little bit obvious. This attire. Um, yes. Very well. Uh, let's uh, let's have Hoke call a cab. Uh, he probably knows somebody whose uh, voice he'd recognize. And uh, we'll drop you off first, and then uh, he can drop me off, and then pick you up again. And yes. that way, we'll know who exactly is driving. Reginald, why don't you keep that pistol with you until you come back? That way, you have something to bring on you. I think that's not unreasonable. Thanks. I'm going to have, have a whiskey and go sleep, lay on the couch in my clothes. All right. Those of you who are resting, um, do a power roll. Can I spend four luck? If you want to. No, I don't think so. No? I, feel, I, I got 64 out of 60. Okay. Um, and Felix, you failed also. I, I had a, a hard success. 100. Bravo. Reginald, you managed to sleep without much incident. Um, you're surprised uh, later on how you didn't really, despite all the weirdness, it, didn't bother you at all. Um, Cyrus, um, you fall asleep and you find yourself in a cavern under the ground. It's lit with torches. You can see there are people in robes chanting. And there is a, a dais up above everything else with a throne on, uh, on the up there. And you can see that the walls seem to be carved with monstrous sort of figures in them. And as you look, sitting on the throne is Ashur Rahman with a red turban on his head. 
and the people around him seem to be worshiping him. And you can hear, uh, you can you can see that there have been blood sacrifices. You can see that there are dead bodies on the ground that have had their hearts ripped out. And as you're standing there, suddenly coming up behind you quietly is, uh, you don't see him at first, you hear a voice, and he says, never fear, we can stop this. And stepping just ahead of you uh, is a man in a suit, oddly enough, smoking a long cigarette. And he raises his hands and he begins saying something in a foreign language you don't recognize. And Roman, up on the throne, suddenly leaps to his feet and says, stop him. And the ground begins to crack in front of him and some strange almost like smoke wafting up comes out of the crack like a monster and uh aloysius delgado there next to you says back monster back and he holds something in his hand that shines like uh, like it has its own light and you see Ramon cover his face like this, and there's a blast of light, and then suddenly you wake up in bed, very surprised by what you've seen. Oh. Felix. <clears throat> you dream that uh, you have been summoned uh, to appear in the imperial court of some ancient king that you're you're not familiar with. Uh, everything is very elaborate and lit with um, lanterns hanging from the ceiling, hundreds and hundreds of them, and. Up ahead of you on a throne with throngs of people standing around um, in, in brightly colored robes and, and silk, um, you see an Arab-looking fellow uh, with a red turban on his head. And it takes you a minute to realize that you're pretty sure this is Azur Udin, uh, the young fellow who you met the first time you spoke to a children of the uh, uh, of tranquility, and uh, he seems to be making commands to the people: "Go ye out and slaughter them all. This is our mission: to destroy the world and make it ready for He who must come." And Just as that begins to happen, um, a man comes running in behind you. He looks like he is in some distress. Um, his clothes are torn, uh, but you almost immediately recognize Aloysius Delgado. And he has in his hand a sword, and he's like, 
stop this nonsense. You shall not take over the world and destroy us all. And that's about the time that you wake up. And Fuller, um, you ultimately drift off to sleep and you have a very similar dream. Some sort of entity trying to take over the world and Delgado stepping in to assist you in stopping it. Jane, you also have a dream when ultimately you go to sleep. Very similar. The only one who doesn't dream is Reginald. And the next day comes. Where uh, and nothing happens during the night. You're not attacked or anything like that. But the fire engine that goes by—it's mighty early for a fire. <laughs> um, from so <laughs> late breakfast at the club. It was a late night. I assume we'll have uh, breakfast at ten. Ten. Yeah. Yeah, we can meet up for brunch. So interesting word. Did you just make that up? Well, yeah. What I did is I took breakfast and lunch and I mushed them together. So I think we should have cantaloupe. <laughs> All right. That works. You know, this I got this Delgado guy stuck in my head because I even dreamed about him. Not like that, just a very obscure dream. He was fighting... The turban, the, the, the children of tranquility, and I don't know. I, I had a dream as well. But Same it was, here. He came running in with a sword, this Delgado. But he was going after uh, Udine. You remember Udine? He was one of the first ones we talked to from the... Yeah. No, in my dream, he was going after... Um, uh, what's his name? I'm drawing a blank on his name. It's too early. I need a drink. Ashurman, I think. Yeah, Ashurman. Oddly enough, in mine, he was uh, quite the swashbuckler, swinging from the chandelier, coming in to uh, rescue the damsel, as it were. I found it rather trite and um, well, Red. gauche. <laughs> Reginald Fuller? You know, I feel actually well-rested for the first time in a, in a while. Um, I don't think I... Some, I had a... You know, there's a dream having, you know, having to do with a... I don't know, a childhood puppy, I believe. Mm. I don't remember. But, um, right, yes, Fuller, how did you sleep? Eh, okay. A little bit of dreaming, but mostly concerned about the car. Mm. Well, I find it a little all too convenient that Gatto saved all of us in our dreams tonight. Mm. It does seem rather manufactured if you look at it. Hey, Cyrus, what did you just call him? Delgado, Gatto. Ah. Yes, yeah. Yes. Got it. You don't think the cat's eye opal has come alive? Established himself in London. 
made a fortune. That, is that too insane for the world we've entered? No. No. Awfully cheeky if he did. What does Aloysius mean? Is that a biblical name? Sounds sort of Latin. Let me about that. Guys. Um, yeah. Also, I'm sorry, gentlemen, how did, uh, and Jane, how did these dreams end? The dreams that we've been suffering as a result of our exploits so far have generally ended in torture or death, sometimes the sudden appearance of some monstrous form. Yes. No, uh, these and, were, no, Delgado came out with some relic in his hand and turned to me and said, we could stop this or we could save the day. It's kind of getting fuzzy right now. I'm sure I left out quite was, a few details already. You all do. Oh, he definitely came out with a, oh, sorry. You do remember in the dreams that when you saw Delgado, you felt completely relieved that he was there. Mm-hmm. He was very much the savior. I don't think so. Mm, I'm very suspicious of it. As like I said, it feels manufactured. Yes, I'm a little sad that I didn't have one to compare to yours. The puppy's name was Franklin, I think. Anyway, um, mm. it's it seems remarkably insidious that he should be uh, tampering with our dreams as well as a Trump trying to tempt me with immortality. I don't think that there's anything we want from him except perhaps some translation advice because he does seem to be extremely adept uh, mm. and noticed something that, um, that, uh, that we, I and Richard had missed earlier. Schweinsteiger. Schweinsteiger? Schweinsteiger, you remember him? Yeah, the, the never heard of the gentleman. What's what's up with him? The antique merchant that closed up nope, shop. Don't know anything about him. Right. Good. Try to try to try to ride along here. Do you remember? You you just you just triggered something in my head when you said Gatto. Swinesager said a long time ago that the guy's name was Guido that he heard the name Guido do you think that he misheard Delgado as Guido it's fairly possible I mean fairly likely even and that was the Guido was the one who was the boss of the basically the the it's just hard for me to say because it was so dear to uh Vadim. Uh Guido was the boss of the watchers. The people who were watching the house. Hmm. The ones who At ultimately the ones exploded. Exploded. Yep. I could still taste that last guy that uh 
yeah, it's tough. I, I know. Just thinking back. Ugh. You know, take your, take your time, Cyrus. I've been thinking about what Reginald said about uh, Delgado in perhaps being a manifestation of uh, a spirit. Um, apparently, if I'm not mistaken, all of these artifacts had some kind of spiritual entity connected with them. Am I, am I wrong? Certainly I mean, the, horn the horn of Olu, of Olu especially. was yes. Yes, containing a manifestation of Olu. Uh, this, I mean, maybe, maybe you're not too far off there, Reginald. Maybe Mr. Delgado is um, a manifestation of, uh, shall we say, the cat's eye opal? Well, if that's the case, I will not. Oh, sorry. Maybe powerful enough to, you know, be corporeal on a regular basis, if not uh, definitely powerful enough to manipulate dreams. Did any of you get a good look at his eyes? I looked right into them. I mean, there was often a haze of cigarette smoke about them, but I don't think I noticed anything abnormal. Hmm. Uh, he really seems like a very intelligent, very arrogant, rather powerful young man. Well, if he can manipulate our dreams, he has some sort of powers. Indeed. I don't, I do not like that. Yeah, and I see no other explanation for three out of the five of us having similar dreams in which he behaves heroically, particularly since we are not predisposed to trust him in the first place. Exactly. I just had a scary thought. If he is what we are discussing here, it'd be also easy to, shall we say, throw Vadim off the scent. Because if he, wa if he was who I've seen him to be, Maybe he understood that Vadim might have been onto him. It could have fingered him for being something more than he is. Put the wool over his eyes. That just, that, ooh. It's rather, I need a brandy. Think I get a brandy this early? Absolutely. We at the Wentworth aren't, um, snobbish about how we take our libations. And you're in the company of gentlemen. What happens at the mm. Wentworth Club stays at the Wentworth Club. <laughs> There's actually a Hungarian pear brandy that I think will go well with this um, cantaloupe. Oh, let's go with that. I'm, I'm rather... Yes. <laughs> It was just imported. It's a wonderful and, fruit. And mimosas. It's a tropical plant, I believe. It is. We're really trying to expand our menu here at the Wentworth Club. I think it's a great thing to do. One does tire of beans on toast. Mm -hmm. Indeed. And if you toast that bread, turn it sideways, you will almost make what the indigenous of Mexico call a taco. I'm not sure if the pronunciation is correct, but mm. taco. Jane, you seem to be a lady of the world. Is it taco? Um, 
sure. I think it's more along the lines of a, uh, uh, what they call a gordita, ah. where you put beans in, in, in the bread. Ah, uh, yes. They're a, they're a very, they're a very interesting, interesting race there. Yes. Regardless. Uh, Lots of chili powder. Mm -hmm. Chili peppers. Also, I think than uh, than India, but uh, that could be debated. What a pleasant variation from our regular conversation here. Just a nice break to ease the mind. I yes, wonder indeed. if these dreams have affected you more deeply than you thought. I just don't understand why we wouldn't all dream. We all dreamed of Delgado, but we dreamed of different red turban guys. And it, it was seemed, more of a mob in my case. Well, it seemed that they were key players. Obviously, Delgado is a key player in all of our dreams. But the key player for the Red Turbans was actually different. Cyrus, you had Ramon, who seemed to be peaceful when he was sitting in my living room. Right which for the record, I'm still not 100% okay with. Um, sorry, sorry, I fucked up. But I had Udin. And if I remember right, we talked to Udin outside of the house of someone. Yeah. The name I, escapes me right now, but um, he had was in as a shadow. Yeah, the crow juicing days. Ah. Alephius Ginger. Yes. Believe it or not, I opened to the right page of my memory. Alephius Ginger, indeed. His house. And do you remember how off-putting Udine was? We'll, call, we'll contact you. Don't contact us. We'll contact you when the time is right. They took the statue. He did apologize for the behavior of his forebears, though. And when the statue was gone, we rested. But in my dream, that's the thing. In my dream, he was demanding everyone that was around him to kill them all. Screaming, insisting, kill them all. Yes, but I'm acting under the presupposition that this dream was imposed upon you by Delgado, unless you all became prophets overnight. But maybe the roles are reversed. Maybe it's Delgado who's screaming, kill them all. Considering we all have a similar um, outcome, um, that it seems like it's it's trying to favor Delgado over them, trying to convince us to go to his side, which will never happen. Mm-hmm. At least for me. Do any of you have a? We none of us have a relic. None of us have anything on us that we could fall asleep near. The horn is safely away in the bank. <sighs> Obviously, I checked. Felix, those heavy hitters, we were all out of our apartments or houses at the current time. 
maybe he sent those heavy hitters in to get an item that belonged to each of us, dropped it off at the party, and then he worked his magic that night on it. I still have the fragmentatus. Ooh. Oh, the book, yes. You know, you're onto something there, Cyrus. I didn't notice anything going out of my residence, but that doesn't mean nothing's missing. Back down in, back down at home, you know, uh, Alabama, we had those voodoo ladies. So all they need is a, a stray hair or a cup that you drank out of to do their stuff. Now, I thought it was all mumbo-jumbo at the time, but I know differently now. My staff was You're there able all day. To key on, key. Sorry, what? Yeah. Hmm? Sorry. I didn't catch that. If you're able to uh, touch in with the person you're thinking about, the you're able to potentially manipulate. Something I remember, well, in, in paraphrasing what uh, what Vadim said once. Hmm. Regardless of how they got it, I believe they got something, or he tapped into some power from us. He's trying to manipulate us in our dreams. Or he's just nearby, and if he is, shall we say, one of the artifacts, then, well, he can directly uh, directly get to us. I wonder I, about the eye. Yeah, we'll take his eyes and you see if they work. No, no, no. The artifact, the eye. The eye of Lama Su. Which I'm going to say might even be in his possession already. He's got the heavy hitters working with them or guarding him or working for him. And as Felix pointed out, those groups don't work together. The guys that exploded in the back of the car were under a spell that if they didn't do like he said, they you saw what happened. It's a powerful player. And it reduces the number of teams after these things to two outside of the museum. We have the red turbans and we have Delgado. Correct. As far as I'm concerned, the museum isn't even a player. If something's left after everything goes down, they could have it. But realistically, there we have the turbans and we have Delgado, who is probably Guido. Now it's time to pick a side, and I'm damn well not going near Delgado. Unless you know, we, we could take the box that the horn is stored in. We could drop a couple of potato mashers in there and leave it sitting someplace that they could access. Felix took the box home with him the night that he was murdered. Do you think we could recover it from his home? I'm hoping that you mean Vadim. Yeah, I was fixing to say, <laughs> Felix, are you dead yet? <laughs> Sorry, I need another espresso, please. Yep. Uh, no, yeah, Vadim took it home. Uh, I know initially we couldn't get through the police tape, but I'm sure Jane has access. Do you know if there was a box that could have contained the horn? Mm, possibly, I'd have to uh, have a look. 
they're going to be doing some some sorting out of uh, Bean's possessions here tomorrow. Um, and then uh, in preparation for for reading of the will. Uh, in fact, actually tomorrow I uh, must, uh, and the next day I'm going to be rather indisposed, I'm afraid, uh, for that and for uh, Vadim's wedding pro uh, wedding. Oh, pardon me, I'm, I'm not. His funeral proper. I was uh, unfortunately planning, helping to plan his wedding before all of this. Well, of course, unless something is happening urgently, we'll all be there for Vadim's funeral. Um, so we are largely in agreement that Delgado, we should have no truck with. Mm. Um, it's reasonable to assume, since you saw uh, dangerous criminals exiting that otherwise rather delightful dinner party, I thought, that, um, you know, he could be responsible, for example, for Vadim's murder. The next question for me is if, as we have given the golden statuette of Naboo Ascendant to the Children of Tranquility, is there any reason we should not return the horn to the museum? They cannot complete the ritual of the temple wall without it, the pieces, right? We understand that they require all the parts and the Children of Tranquility aren't about to give anything up. Yes, but each piece has power within itself. Yep. The museum's I, not going to be able to protect that. Right, exactly. I think after a few more drinks and some food, we should swing by my flat and see if they did take up residence there. Let's question them a bit, see what they have to say about it. But I was sort of on the edge about giving them the horn, but after the dream last night, I, I'm 100% on Team Turban. Team Turban, charming. I'll be curious to see whether Miss Lancaster had strange dreams or if she noticed anything untoward regarding her flat. You know, our association with Miss Lancaster could put her in serious jeopardy. You, you you do speak the truth there. Frankly, her responsibility for restoring the temple wall has put her in jeopardy already, which is one of the reasons we felt suspicious of her, I believe. I'm also worried that we may be putting the children uh, of tranquility into jeopardy as well. If there's that many ne'er-do-to-wells that are associated with Mr. Delgado, it's I don't even think uh, the children could could stand up to all of them. It was part and of Delgado's argument. To to, and if they're able to get to them, uh, they, what's to say that they can't uh, track down any artifacts like that golden statue that's with them and uh, bring it to Delgado's possession? I'd rather trust it with them than unless, you know, locked in the bank is fine, but if it goes out of the bank, I don't, I, I don't want it in any other hands, but, but the uh, children's. It sounds I don't disagree, but, but at the same time, if Delgado has that many, um, 
Tufts working for him, then our, our friends with the Children of Tranquility may not survive an attack. The difference being that the Children of Tranquility are mostly nameless and invisible. I don't even trust living at the bank very long. Banks have been poor. I think that's a very temporary solution, especially for a man with Delgado's suasive power. It sounds to me like all these problems could be solved if uh, we were just to take out Delgado. I fully concur with that, but I don't want to jump the gun yet if he's that powerful. But yes, before the before I leave London, I think he's the person who killed the Dean. And in my mind, that's who did it. Before I leave London, he'll be dead or I'll be dead. You think that you think that he's more powerful than a nine millimeter to the skull? No, just getting him at the right time in the right place though. And I do think he is responsible for the Dean stuff. Well, I want to know. I want to know for sure if he is the man, man who called the hit on the Dean. Now, Felix, these heavy hitters, do you think they would have the audacity to hit the Bank of London? Yeah. Yes, then I do. I think we need to go to my flat, see if the children are there, and make preparation for moving the horn as soon as possible. Now, they still don't know Let's it's there. Let's make sure we're not followed there. We need to do our best to try and keep the children. If they can get into our dreams, who's to say they couldn't get into our memories or do something without us even knowing it? Maybe possible. that dream was a cover to search our brain somehow. I know it's a little far-fetched, but after seeing a smoke monster and whatever the hell else we saw over the last few months, looking through somebody's dreams to find out information seems the most plausible of anything. Honestly, if we want to throw them off the if we want to throw them off the scent, each of us get in our car and drive in a different direction. They can't follow all of us. Yeah, but all they need to do is catch one of us. Having us all single uh, is not a good idea. We need to be, we need to stay in a group. I feel as though the events of the last several months have made us all a bit paranoid. Uh, I think this espresso might not be helping either. Um, Does everyone feel comfortable with handing the horn to the children if we can if they are in fact findable and we can in fact retrieve it from the bank i'm okay with it i would think though that as large an organization as the children are that within a day it's going to be so hopelessly moved around that no one's ever going to be able to find it again exactly I assume they have cousins uh, back home digging a new hidden tomb for everything that we return to them. Um, so if everyone's in agreement, um, I'd uh, like to go to the museum. So let's, um, why don't a couple of us go to Felix's and, and check on the children and a couple of us go to the museum and see what's happening there. I'm curious about what's moving around by itself and what strange noises have been heard. Right, the children are over at Cyrus's. Yeah. My place is no place for children. 
Do I keep calling everyone Felix? Is that what you're saying? You you just had such a good sleep that you're still. I'm a little dreamy still. Mm. Mm. I'm honored, frantic. Reginald, that in a dreamy state, it's Felix you call out to. <laughs> um, so who would like to join me on a trip to the museum? I'll go. I need another slice of grapefruit. This cantaloupe thing is oh, it's kind of musky. It's weird. I'll join you to the museum as well. All right, so the toughs are off to meet the toughs. And the rest of us will go to the museum and see what uh, has been crawling around unbidden. Mm, Sounds good. Yes. Yeah, I'm muted. So uh, are Felix and Cyrus then together? Correct. All right. Um, and you are going? To my place. You're going to your place. All right. So the two of you get in the car and you head on over uh, to Cyrus's place. Now, you're not on the road more than five minutes when you're pretty sure that now, a lot of cars look the same, but you keep glancing in your rearview mirror and seeing what you think is the same car. You haven't seen the car turn. It, it might have been parked down the street and waiting for you to, to pull out. Cyrus. Yeah. I think they're on us again. Let's try and shake them before we go right to my place. I just want to do, I'm going to do four right turns. Okay. If, they fall, if they're still behind us after that. You, you make four right turns. I'm going to make three. Is that okay. right? I'm going to make four. Four right turns. That's how many. Four right turns. Now you're following them. Where the hell is Fuller? <laughs> <laughs> He's mentally linked to you now. Um, Jesus. All right. Uh, you make the first turn, and they do too. You make the second turn, and they do too. You make the third turn, and they keep going in a straight line. So, they were following us. Yep. Now keep an eye out for a second car. Excellent. Well, you spend a good 10 minutes keeping an eye out for a second car, and every car that follows you for a little ways, you're pretty sure that it's a, it's them, but then it, it turns a corner. and So your guess is probably that if they were following you, they realized that you realized they were following you when they turned. So do you want to park the car, jump into a handsome cab, wait till we hit a little bit of traffic. If you go near a bridge, there's always going to be traffic. And we just jump out and walk away while the car sits idle. 10, 15 cars back, if, if they are still following us, and we'll walk away. They can't drive through the other vehicles and Cyrus you realize I put two Tommies in the floorboard right right but we don't want to 
ah, you know what? The children seem to be tough enough. And my flat, I truly don't care about. So there's nothing there that I can't rebuy. So you want to just skip your skip your flat? Yeah. No, no, no. We need to we need to talk to them. Okay. I'm Let's saying go. if they come in and shoot up my flat, I could care less because wow. I really have nothing there that Yeah, I've seen it. It's yeah, it's got a bed and some maps and a I mean, whole lot of guns. Not to be smug, but yeah. Well, you know, I need to be able to get up and walk away from anything. Oh yeah. I completely understand. Yeah, let's go. Let's let's drive, and we'll just see if they drop back in behind us. All right. Um, you drive the rest of the way to Cyrus's house, and as you're his flat, it's in a building. Um, as you pull up, um, Cyrus, you don't. Once again, it's hard to say that you wouldn't notice any cars that shouldn't be there because most of the cars look very similar to one another. Um, what do you do? You're, st you're still outside the apartment. Let's um, let's walk around the back and uh, shoot down the alleyway. Okay. Well, knock on uh, the landlord's door downstairs. Um, after a couple seconds, the door opens. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Mr. Finley, what can I do for you? Oh, I just wanted to give you that rent uh, I owed you, and I kind of walk in. Uh, this is a friend of mine, Bobby, and uh, kind of, I'm just going to squeeze through your apartment and take the stairs up, but here's the money. And, Here's another two bucks for, uh, for uh, you know, I'm a couple days late, and I just walked through his apartment and out his front door and up the stairs. Always prompt. Thank you. And, uh, yep, you just go through. And the, uh, there's nobody in the uh, stairwell lobby, I guess you could call it. But. When we get to the hallway of my apartment, I stop on the stairs and I tell Felix, now, I do have a small arsenal in there, so I don't know how jumpy they are, so just hang back for a second. And I uh, walk down the hallway whistling, and I get to the door, and I do the knock that I told them I would do. Okay. There's no response. All right. I listen at the door. Nothing. I let myself in, but I push the door open and, and step to the side. I back up. Uh, apartment is exactly the way that you left it. A little dustier. Doesn't look like anybody's been there. Damn it. There's some mail on the floor. I look through it in case there's a letter or a note. No, just mail. And throw it into the fireplace. It's not on, but it will be at some point. I need kindling. Um, well, Felix, you've been here. If you want a gun, pick it up. I'm good. I've got what I need. Uh, 
Wow. So they didn't even show up here. I grabbed the uh, I grabbed some extra ammo. I don't need any other guns. Just gonna do a once over just to make sure. Yeah, there is no indication that anybody's been there. Go over to one of the floorboards, knock it up, take out the envelope of whatever money I did have stashed there. Okay. Stick it in my breast pocket and uh, probably never coming back here again. So grab a couple little knickknacks that I have a little endearment towards. The little boy and the little girl sitting on toilets. Yeah, exactly. Mail from back home. Hell, it's Reginald. <laughs> you seem to feel I am hearing things, Cyrus. First, I heard Fuller. <laughs> now I'm hearing Reginald. This, we, something's got to give. Told you those dreams are much more invasive than we give a credit for. But you know, not sure if I'm coming back here. So feel free to grab anything that catches your eye. Good. It's. I. I think I'll be all right. I do appreciate your offer, Cyrus. I do, but I really. I'm good. Thank you. All right. So while you guys are are leaving, um, Fuller, Jane, and uh, and Reginald, you uh, arrive at the museum. What are you going to do at the museum? Uh, one question. Uh, you know, an informational question. So uh, the fellows gave me a pistol last night. Um, I don't know anything about what the gun laws at this period in London are like. Can I just drop that in my pocket and walk around? If you're rich and you're carrying a gun and you don't have a license for it, uh, the constable will say, you should probably get a license for that. And then he'll let you keep it and not bother you because only poor people with guns are criminals i'm gonna have to get some sort of carrying thing for it because it makes my jacket sit very funny what, what i will do is grab one other pistol and uh <clears throat> a, a harness for it holster Where's and uh from? no just before i left the apartment <laughs> that that way reginald could just keep that one sorry all right Was Cyrus talking? <laughs> <laughs> I think Cyrus will have a what he calls a holster. So we drop by the museum. I think standard protocol is again renown. Good to see Mr. Longdon if he's in. Uh, yes, Mr. Longdon is there. Uh, gentlemen, nice to see you and ladies. Sir. Good morning to you. How are things uh, progressing here? Oh, there. They're going as about as usual as they always do. It's not exactly the most uh, um, exciting thing, but uh, I mean, it's been rather more exciting around here lately than it ought to be, frankly. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, have any uh, objects moved themselves around during the night, as far as you know? Yes, that seems to continue, and also the noises. Uh, really, both things. Oh, yes. Um, banging sort of noise. Uh, and that's that's in the cellar, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, somebody—it only occurs late in the at night, and um, it seems to stop 
you know, uh, shortly after people notice that there's a, especially, you know, if they, uh, if they call out, there's someone there, it eventually stops. Hmm. As though you can frighten it away just by acknowledging it. Yeah. But Ms. Greenborough is still missing. Indeed she is, yes. And uh, do you know anything of Morris Gibbons' recovery in uh, Bedlam? Um, he is recovering. He is, um, he's actually quite enjoying his time off there, um, not having to think about the texts. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm terribly afraid that if he comes back and starts working them again, he's going to end up permanently at Bedlam. Oh, you think, I'm sorry, you're, I, you thought I was asking Mr. Weems, but oh, that's I'm good sorry. to know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Morris Gibbons from downstairs also uh, chose to institutionalize himself, I understand. Yes. Um, I'm not exactly sure how he is doing. He is most definitely, you know, we'll probably simply place him. Um, mm -hmm. okay. But you haven't lost any more staff from the uh, lower realms? No, no one. No one else has been either frightened or I think quite honestly or... people are afraid to come down here after, uh, you know, five o'clock. Mm. Not that it's any brighter down here in the middle of the day. It's, it is a basement. Uh, well, I'm glad you heard that Dr. Weems is improving. Uh, and I'm, I'm sad to say, although his scholarship is a great loss, his you know, mental well-being would be a greater one. So if he's finding comfort, that's all for the best. Indeed. Um, and there still remains no pattern that anyone could determine about the objects that are moving themselves about. It's quite bizarre. It's got to be a prank that someone is playing. That's my opinion. Now, I know there are some very strange things going on, but I'm not going to sit here 24 hours a day and watch. I'm going to go home and I'm going to not think about work and I'm going to have a nice, uh, brandy after my meal and uh, come to work the next day. They... Fuller, did you hear that? I hadn't thought of it before. Perhaps we should spend the night. See what goes bump after all. See what unseen hands are moving multiple ton objects. Do you think, uh, Longden, that something could be arranged, some sort of special security pass for overnight guests? I don't know. Um, uh, Mr. Yates is, uh, Mr. Ralph Yates is in charge of security. I believe yes. you've met him a number of we months. We have, and he's been an agreeable fellow so far. He, uh, he is in charge. I believe that he has Mr. Blanchard um, uh, as the night, uh, as the head of night crew. Mm. Um, I think they'd both be deuced interested in getting to the bottom of the whole mess, and they probably can't staff well enough anyway. I also wonder, do you think if somebody were rocking these pedestals back and forth, moved them, that that would be the echo that was heard downstairs? I hadn't thought of that, but it's an interesting idea. I mean, there has to be a rational explanation, and I should have winked at Fuller and Jane. I would think it would take a whole crew to move some of them. Yes, I thought some of the things were enormous, but you know, um, what did, uh, was it Aristotle who said? If you could fit a large enough lever, you could turn the earth. Yes. Well, um, well, I'll tell you what, you can go speak with him. Uh, he's in his office, he should be. 
Should we start with the eights or Blanchard? Well, Mr. Blanchard doesn't get here until the evening. Of course, uh, but you would have to if you if you clear it with Mr. Yates as the head of security, then you most definitely be able to accompany Blanchard in the evening. Very good. I think we shall, uh, Mr. Elbrade, um, Ms. Ilkirk. Do you have anything else uh, that we might mention to Mr. Longden? Oh, do you know this, uh, at least by reputation, this Aloysius Delgado fellow? Aloysius Delgado. He's sort of a collector, young man about town. Rather um, snobbish fellow. A little ostentatious. Like smokes a long cigar, a long... Yeah, a um, long holder. I've seen him before. I'm not sure that he has any strong affiliation with the... Uh, with the board of directors in any way, but uh, he's contributed quite a lot of money, actually, to the uh, the Samaritan, the Samarian um, uh, project expedition. Did he indeed? Our dear Not friend Vadim directly to the uh, to the expedition, but to the development of, of this wing, the Near Eastern Wing. Yes, yes. It's, I don't uh, know very much about him otherwise. Well, I um. His pockets run very deep, and uh, I think his moral compass is very off kilter. Mm. That's my impression from having uh, been guested his home. And uh, well, he go ahead. He um, specifically is looking to out collect the museum with regard to priceless artifacts. Well, rather aggressive. I would think that people would have some sort of a moral conscience on that sort of thing, but I'd say in the last couple of months, we've seen that that's not such not the case. Uh, well, thank you as always. Uh, I hope your uh, midday is productive. I, I will certainly keep you posted. It's very kind of you. Uh, which way is, uh, is Yates's office down there? Uh, if you exit there and go to the security door on the left, you'll see. Very good. Um, may I say you sent us? I'm sorry? May I say yes, that you sent course, us? Of course, yes. yes. We were acquainted, but thank you. So he, you already know Yates is, I mean, you haven't spoken to him much, but you've, you've seen him on numerous occasions and he's aware of who you are and that you have, you know, carte blanche to come into, yeah. Yeah, I've made quite the reputation in this <laughs> the museum. So uh, you get to his uh, office door, and uh, it's open, and he's sitting at a desk filling out a report. Uh, yes, may I help you? Uh, hello again. Um, you might recall me, Mr. Yates, Reginald Harcourt. Uh, yes, I... I I must admit, I, I forget your name, but yes, I, I recognize you. I recognize you all. Understandable. Well, this is Miss Jane Selkirk. Um, she's uh, a friend of our late friend Vadim's, who's assisting in our inquiries. I've uh, seen um, a number of times around the uh, the museum, haven't I, uh, Miss uh, Selkirk? Indeed, yes. Yes. So, uh, between speaking to Mr. Longan and Ms. Lancaster, I've been following this curious phenomenon where there's strange noises in the storage downstairs, and also enormous things, some of them being moved around in the Near Eastern Wing, especially near the reconstructed temple. Mm -hmm. 
And I can't think of any rational theory to explain either thing, although I'd like to link the two. And I had just now, speaking to Mr. Longden, the strange idea that perhaps if a few of us were to stay in that area overnight, not as your guards who have to move around and watch things everywhere, but in a very specific location, that we might be able to determine something about what the devil's going on before one of those giant pieces of rock falls over and smashes. That's an interesting proposition. I'm not sure that uh, you'd be very comfortable. I suppose we could bring in a couple of carts. Yeah, we could make simple arrangements. And of course, we'd be willing to be, you know, have our things looked at before and after so that we didn't run around the museum grabbing ancient relics and whatnot. Well, now, I don't want you touching anything. You know, when the guards will be here, Mr. Blanchard. Um, and his right. That's your nightman. Has he got a theory about what's moving these things around? No, he's quite perplexed. He says it's uh, things are moved, but it's when nobody's around. And uh, they don't, in many cases, uh, they, they move and there doesn't seem to be any sound related to it. Uh, the object is suddenly in the middle of the uh, corridor and uh, has made no sound. It's almost as if it's uh, transported instantaneously to the spot. Hmm. Although I thought there was also some damage to the floors, which is undesirable. Oh, in some cases, yes. The, the... Oh, might depend on the distance and whatnot. Uh, well, if a few of us were to volunteer to such a task, do you think you'd arrange for some sort of authorization with Mr. Blanchard? Um, yes, I could. I believe that I could write you uh, an authorization for that. Have you spoken to uh, uh, any of the other staff about this? Uh, just Mr. Longden and Ms. Lancaster that I can think of. All right. Let me uh, make this out. And he begins to write up. He actually pulls out a form of some sort and uh, starts filling it out. And uh, after about two minutes of, of writing, uh, a young gentleman in a uh, suit uh, comes to his door rather quickly. You hear him coming for a couple of seconds before because his, uh, his uh, formal shoes clickety-clack on the, on the tile as he comes. And he's coming quickly. And uh, he says, uh, uh, Mr. Gates, uh, there's a problem in the, the foyer. Could you come quickly? Uh, there's a man who's been injured. And, and he's like, oh, of course. Yes, let's go. Um, uh, he just sort of glances at you mm -hmm. and uh, gets whatever equipment he might need. And he uh, says, uh, you know, please, gentlemen, could you, you know, I'm out of my office while I'm out there. Of perhaps course. I can perhaps I can help you, sir. I have first aid. Well, perhaps yes. Please, please. You know, if, if you I'll follow. I follow yes, him. Stay with him. All right. Um. Uh, you go down a corridor and you 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 turn a corner. You go down another hall and you open. Uh, come into the the basically the grand foyer, the entrance of the uh, the museum, and uh, you can see that there's a bit of a commotion and there's. Uh, 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 people, you know, that have kind of formed in a circle and lying on the floor, uh, not, not unconscious, but, but uh, asking for help 
is a bleeding man. He looks like he's rather, um, uh, I'd say, late middle age, uh, in his 50s or probably not early 60s, but he's very gaunt. He's um, not a very good, a very, very attractive person, but uh, uh, it looks like he was fairly well-dressed. Um, part of his suit and shirt are uh, almost shredded, and there is a large quantity of blood coming from his abdomen, uh, which he's grasping. And he's like, please, 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 I must, I must speak to Mr. Wayne. Only Mr. Wayne can help us, please. And I, uh, I uh, perform first aid on him. All right. Um, and I kneel down and say, is that, is that Lewis Wayne you need? Yes, yes, Mr. Wayne, please, please take me, take me to him. I must see him. He's, he's the only one, the only one. I know, Mr. Wayne, but we need to stop your bleeding first. Can you calm yourself, please? Uh, he begins to, to shake. Um, Fuller, uh, do your favorite first aid. Uh, 13 out of 40. He has been severely injured. Um, there are three knife-like gashes across his chest down his abdomen on side. It's actually opened his abdomen and you can see his intestines, the purple of them on the inside. Uh, you can see that there is a trail of blood going out the door and down the steps. That's what I wanted to know. And um, uh, he seems delirious. Uh, what nationality would you say he is? He's a British okay. white guy. Uh, has a rather um, uh, posh accent. What's your name, sir? You might want to go and fetch Mr. Wayne there. Um, Yates is telling him there, there's nobody named Mr. Wayne here. And he no, says, no, 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 Mr. Wayne, he's in his room. You must you must fetch him or, oh, oh. What's your name? Take me to him. My name, I'm, I'm Thomas Montford. Please. I, and he's like, so where do you think you are? And he says, Bedlam. I'm at Bedlam. Bedlam. Of course I'm at Bedlam. Where am I? And he says, so you're at the British Museum. He says, British, British Museum? No, no, no. I, I was going to Bedford first and then to the, British Museum to, to tell them, to tell them that I, I, and he passes off, passes away, and he passes out. Okay, <laughs> he's gone, gone unconscious, and they're they're they've called for medical, um, um, an ambulance, if you will. Mr. Well, Wayne's at Bedlam. I would say that uh, we have someplace we need to go. Indeed. Who may ask, is this Mr. Wayne? Uh, Mr. Wayne is a fellow that we met uh, when we were visiting Mr. Punchin at um, Bellevue. They were roommates. Uh, he's a very curious uh, and sensitive gentleman 
who mm. um, draws the most remarkable images of cats. Mm. He had a very calming effect on Mr. Punchin. Uh, I hope that we can get this Montfort to him if Montfort survives. What do you think, Fuller? He looks to have lost a great deal of blood. Yeah, I mean, can I tell how serious he is? He needs I mean, to get to the hospital immediately. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna bleed out if you don't get to the hospital. And Perhaps we should uh, take a moment to go to Bedlam and ask him, uh, Mr. Wayne about Mr. Mumford. Does it look like if he goes to the hospital, he's gonna be able to survive, or is it kind of touch and go whether he's gonna make it or not? Do a medical roll. A medical roll? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my god, I got a two. Shit. Well, it looks pretty bad. But maybe you've managed to at least staunch some of the bleeding, but uh, he needs to get put back together. Look, maybe we should send somebody with him in case he doesn't make it. Try to get something out of him because he may not make it. Hmm. Uh, do you think he noticed you, or were you too busy, like, tying his guts up? I don't think he noticed it. I think that he doesn't know where he was, so what makes you think he would know who was there? Yeah, mistaking the museum for Bedlam is pretty extreme. Yes. Might Perhaps be a good should... idea to trace the blood to see maybe where this happened. That's a start, yeah. Yes, I... let's get on that. What would you say about the injuries, Fuller? Did yeah. it look like he was shot? No, he's stabbed. Sliced. But, um, well, no, it, it was stabbed as deep as it went. If we could see intestines, that means he may not make it, even with the hospital. Yes. Well, there's sepsis and all that, right? I'm not worried about sepsis. That's a time thing. That's not going to happen immediately. Uh, he might bleed out before or the shock alone could kill it yes well i think you're brilliant uh, let's trace the blood it's there's plenty of it and it shouldn't take us very long um uh mr yates i'll we'll be back um at a more opportune time to discuss that overnight plan yes it's the uh the uh, ambulance is here and, uh, and they come in and uh they're going to take him to, I don't know, London General. I don't know what the hospital right there would be, so London General. Um, all right. Uh, you don't need to do a track roll um, because there's dribbles of blood here and there as you go. Um, you ultimately realize that it leads you back to the central line at Tottenham Court Road Underground Station. So he took the uh, the two. So we're talking a good ways that he moved from where he got stabbed. Yeah. So he was on the train. Just out of guess, I'm going to assume the train was going to Bedlam eventually. Well, it's going... It's going all over the place, but it's going to... All right. No need to guess. The central line has a map. I mean, the, the underground has a map. Does central line go near bed, Bedlam? 
I don't know. I don't have the map. <laughs> you know, and this is this is probably not going to pay off, but just out of curiosity, back in this time, a lot of the hospitals were lumped together. Is the place that they're taking him in the ambulance close to Bedlam itself? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, it's still in London, but it's Bedlam's on the outskirts. Not sure. Not really sure. Those of you who are from England. Uh, but I think that's a good spot to end it tonight. Oh, cliffhangers. Uh, it, uh, where ah. <clears throat> Our players included David Gassaway, John Byron, Ford Fitch, Jason Melichok, and Jerry Bryant with myself as the Keeper of the Secrets. We're currently producing up to four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. The costs involved with the show are provided almost entirely by our patrons. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. If you'd like to support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. You can find a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming.